it's difficult, especially for entrepreneurs, because we grew these businesses. These businesses are our babies. And we get like very territorial almost. And it's like, nobody can do it as good as me. And then when we're hiring, this is what I caution against. I hear so often, I just wish I could clone myself. I want another me. If someone can do it as good as me, I would be happy to have them. Here's the thing. Hire somebody better than you. Please, you should be hiring people that you look up to the way they do copywriting, let's say a copywriter. And if you're really hiring those people to support you, I don't care if you're type A, you know, you don't like to relinquish power or control, you will relinquish it because you're like, actually, she's amazing at this and I need her to, to take all of this for me. Hi, Offscripters. It's your host, Sewa Ajay Pele, and welcome to episode 73 of the She's Offscript podcast. This is a show where we hear and learn from women who've created unique blueprints for success. My hope is that you'll hear their stories and translate their gems into a unique path for yourself. In today's episode, we meet Tiana Tai. Tiana is an industrial and organizational psychologist who specializes in helping online business owners become great leaders as they build thriving virtual teams. According to global freelancing platform Upwork, by 2028, 73% of all companies will have virtual team members. In fact, telecommuting has grown 115% in the past decade. This trend has left CEOs and leaders looking for tools to effectively manage their virtual team members. This is where Tiana comes in. At the intersection of business, science, and research, Tiana helps CEOs avoid leadership pitfalls as they manage their growing virtual teams. During our conversation, Tiana shares the foundational pieces every business needs to have in place before hiring a virtual team member. She also shares several anecdotes of leadership pitfalls to avoid as we grow our teams. Before we hear the rest of Tiana's episode, I would love it if you could subscribe, rate, and review our show on iTunes. This will help to spread the word about our podcast so amazing stories like Tiana's can continue to inspire women looking to launch their own off-script journeys. With that, let's go off script with IO psychologist and leadership coach, Tiana Tai. Tiana Tai, welcome to She's Off Script. How are you today? Oh, well, first of all, thank you so much for having me here. Earlier, we were literally joking. I was like, do I need to prepare like my normal nerdy self? And I was like, it's called She's Off Script. We're here to have a good time. So <laughs> exactly. I've heard your podcast, so I know you know what you're talking about and you don't need a script. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I'm just really excited to be here. And like you mentioned, my name is Tiana Tai. So for any of our listeners who haven't heard of you or heard your podcast, could you share who you are and what you do? Absolutely. Uh, so again, for the third time, just in case you forgot already, my name is Tiana <laughs> Tai. I am an industrial organizational psychologist, which is a really long way to say I've built my career studying the intersection of business and psychology and how we can apply psychological principles to the workspace. So very like Adam Grant, Simon Sinek, those are my dudes, you know what I mean? Uh, and that is really where I have found my happy space in business. So as an IO psychologist, I think it's been actually a pretty interesting journey. I've worked with Fortune 500 companies. I've worked in a boutique consulting firm. And I'm actually still making the transition into fully embracing the online space. And I just think there's something really magical about the opportunity to incorporate more IO psychology work in this space. Mm -hmm. Because the, the way I think about it is like, we are very much 
kind of like pioneers, first of all. It seems almost commonplace to have online businesses these days, but if you think about it historically speaking, we're relatively new, okay? Like this is a new thing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) A hundred years from now, this is a phase of business that will be studied, you know what I mean? And I just, I love being able to bring some of those more corporate-y types of research principles and figure out how to apply them and make them work in these new startups and online businesses. And that's really where I have found my place and what I really have a heart for. So why would someone hire an industrial and organizational psychologist in the corporate space Mm -hmm. and more specifically in the online business world? I love that question because the field itself is honestly also so new that there's just like a lot of misconceptions. People think that I'm a therapist all the time. And I'm like, no, 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 guys, I'm not going to give you therapy. (laughs) (laughs) That is not what we do. Uh, So my favorite way to put it is essentially we are kind of those business consultants and practitioners who are grounded in psychology and human behavior. Mm. So as we're a normal business consultant who is excellent in what they do, obviously, they'll come into problems with a certain lens, but my lens is really grounded in psychology and human behavior. And IO psychologists do a lot of different stuff. Like you're probably never going to meet, like if you meet one IO psychologist, you've met one IO psychologist because we do a lot of stuff. So everything from hiring and recruitment, the science behind hiring and recruiting, that's something that, you know, it's kind of nerdy and it's what like the big firms do. But if you're Google and you're trying to recruit top talent, the science behind how to recruit top talent really matters. Mm. So there is a specialist in IO psychology who focuses on that area. Then there's someone like me who focuses on virtual teams and leadership. So no matter what, we all are grounded in business plus psychology and everything is backed by like research and science. We're very nerdy people, to be honest with you. (laughs) But uh, just depending on where our interests lie, Mm -hmm. we can be doing leaderships and team retreats or we can be crunching numbers behind, you know, how do you actually market to your ideal employee. Hmm. And so why are you passionate about online virtual teams? I love that question. (laughs) So I think for me, and I'm also a millennial, right? And I think for me, a lot of it has been influenced by the fact that in some way, shape or form, I have always been a part of a small business. I think I've had maybe two jobs in my career that were for huge companies, Mm -hmm. right? Everything I've done has been rooted in small businesses. And most of them have been at least 25% virtual. These days, the work that I'm doing is 95% virtual. The only time I'm on site is if we're running like a team retreat or running a workshop. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? So naturally, as I was working and pursuing my graduate degree, my master's in IO psychology, when I was choosing what I wanted to specialize in, it was just such an easy fit for me because I was like, I've always wanted to specialize in leadership. I've always wanted to do leadership development. And because honestly, like the tone is set from the top. So I find it an absolute honor to be able to come in and support leaders Mm -hmm. who are, you know, 
even CEOs who are building their business from the ground up, because this is the business that people generations afterwards, you know, God willing, if your business is a success, people are going to work for you. And I want to be able to have an influence on this generation of leaders to be the types of leaders that we all love to work for. And that's really hard. I mean, we've all had bad bosses, y'all. Like that's really hard to accomplish. So I, yeah, I, it's just a part of my career path personally that I've always been involved in it. So when I had the opportunity to really narrow in my own research and like do my thesis on it and whatnot, I was like, heck yeah, it's gotta be virtual leadership. I want to know what distinguishes a virtual leader from an in-person leader. And if they need like a different skill set, I can nerd out about this, Mm, but yeah. I definitely (laughs) want to get into that. But first, as our listeners look to build their own virtual teams and hire their first core team members, Mm -hmm. what are some of those foundational things that they need to have in place? Ooh, this question makes me so happy Uh, because a big part, I didn't actually anticipate this, honestly, going into this space, this online space. I anticipated going straight into like, let's be great leaders and work on our teams, right? But actually a big part of my work has gone into hiring huge part of my work just because, you know, a lot of times as we start our own businesses, we do it because we have a passion for providing some sort of service, right? Mm So I'll use the example of a photographer photographer, uh, builds their business. It starts expanding, you know, everybody has to have a social presence these days, so on and so forth. Right. So now all of a sudden this photographer needs to onboard maybe a marketer or a VA or a content creator, like all of these things that they didn't necessarily anticipate Mm -hmm. when they started the photography business. But that's the thing with success. Like as it grows, we have to grow with it. Right. So as I got more into this space, I found, wait a second, like I I have some leaders who have been there, done that, and they need the normal leadership coaching, but there's a huge generation of leaders who need the fundamentals. Mm -hmm. They need to know how do I lay my foundation within my business before I start bringing people in? Because to be honest, like we've seen we've seen it go bad. Like, I'll just keep it real with you, right? Mm, so I want to get into some of the things that you've seen that are cautionary tales for others as they go into the mm-hmm. phase of their businesses. But I'll let you finish answering this question first. Start with that, actually, because like, let's just spill tea while we're at it. You know <laughs> yes, what I mean? Let's. Okay, so a really good example. So this is a small business, a small business like any other small business. Let's say I think they had, they already had three team members. But the thing is, those team members had been around since the business like started, mm-hmm. right? So they were well-established, but they started growing and scaling really quickly. So, you know, they had more clients, mm-hmm. they had more responsibility, and they're like, oh my gosh, we need to hire a virtual assistant ASAP, right? So this is what happens when you don't lay the foundation before. Like if you're doing this out of a panic Mm -hmm. and out of this sense of, I can't take on what's in front of me. So I just need to get help really, really fast because I can't do this. This is what will happen. We did the entire, you know, job description. We listed it up. I think we had, I don't know, 45 applicants or something like that. The actual screening process was done well. You know what I mean? We did phone screens, then an in-person, no, not an in-person interview, a Zoom interview. We asked for cover letters, samples, all of this stuff. So long story short, the person who gets selected 
is qualified. That's not the issue. Mm. The issue is we bring them in, we get them on board. If we talk to them all about the company, yada, yada, yada. After the first week, we ran out of stuff for them to do. No, what a waste. How, how does that happen? Let me tell you how that happens. If, especially if you're doing this because like you're in kind of that panic zone of, I just need help Mm -hmm. for some, something in our brain tells us that we're prepared to have somebody help us. You just feel like someone's going to come in and save the day. Mm -hmm. But if you haven't done the foundational work of what do I need help with? Oh, I need help with everything around social media. Okay, great. Do you know exactly what tasks happen on a recurring basis for your social media? For those tasks, do you have processes outlined? Do you have standard operating procedure? If that's too formal for you, did you do Loom recordings? Like, did you record yourself doing these activities? Whatever it takes, you see what Mm -hmm. I'm saying? But sometimes we jump and we skip that foundational step. So we don't really consider why we need this person. We're just like, I just need help. We don't document the processes. We don't set the foundation. We don't have an actual onboarding or orientation prepared for the person. So then what happens is the person blows through the couple of you know days of busy work that you've basically given mm-hmm. them. And then they're either sitting around twiddling their thumbs or you just like throw them into some project and you're kind of throwing them into the deep end because if you didn't orient them well, they don't have the context they need to really perform well. Mm-hmm. I, I give you this example. I say that I saw this one time. I've seen this many times. <laughs> okay. wow, wow, wow. But what you're describing is just boring It's so boring. Stuff. It's just not what you think about when you think cool, sexy entrepreneurship or, or leadership. leadership for that matter. But I guess that's why it's foundational, right? <laughs> I'm telling you, like I make a joke all the time. I'm like, you guys, hiring and systems and SOPs, this is the least sexy stuff I could be talking to you about. But this is the reason... I'll give you another anecdote. I was uh, talking to a friend the other day and they were complaining that they had burned through two virtual assistants in the last like month, right? First virtual assistant, it just, they didn't have the skill set that they needed. And as a hiring expert, I'm like, question, where in the screening interview samples, references, did we ask for any of those things? Mm -hmm. So like, where's the mismatch there? Mm -hmm. Um, And then the second thing that they said is the person got into the position, they were nice, they got along, they vibed well. But as they continued to work over the next week or so, the the VA actually said, I don't think I'm a good fit for you because you know more than I do about how to do this stuff. Again, if we are overachieving, high-performing business owners, a lot of entrepreneurs are. I get it. Like, if you're an entrepreneur, like you've got grit, mm-hmm. you know, you're going for it, you're you're putting in the work. You know what I mean? But if you know that's who you are, why is your barrier of entry into your company, your baby, so low that you're attracting people that aren't even like we're supposed to be hiring experts to take things off of our right, shoulders? Right. If you're hiring an intern, yes, you're going to have to train them. You're going to have to grow them up. That's what you signed up for. But if you're trying to outsource and take some of the responsibility off of your back, you should be attracting experts 
to want to work for your business. Although, and that's not me, what happened. The goes off is that maybe the manager didn't fully relinquish or hand over the task to the VA. That's another piece. Maybe she's still holding on to things she hired the VA to do. And it sounds like the VA is politely saying, hey, you're over here all up in my mix. And I can't even do the things you hired me to do. Steamrolling. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> so either way, it sounds like an issue someone would call you to resolve. Absolutely. And I think I think you hit on something that's really important there. It's that idea of trust, mm-hmm. right? So in uh, a lot of kind of type A, you know, I'm a bot, like I get it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's difficult, especially for entrepreneurs, because we grew these businesses. These businesses are our babies. Mm-hmm. Like can't just come up in here. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And we get like very territorial almost. And it's like, nobody can do it as good as me. And then when we're hiring, this is what I caution against. We start, I hear so often, I just wish I could clone myself. I want another me. If someone can do it as good as me, I would be happy to have them. Here's the thing. I always recommend to people, hire somebody better than you. Mm Please, like, and honestly, unless you're giving, you know, your sister's cousin a chance and really like growing up their skill set, which God love them. I've had family like be interns for me. It's amazing when you want to do Mm -hmm. that. But if you're in a launch phase or you've got something crazy going on, you should be hiring people that like you look up to the way they do copywriting. Let's Mm -hmm. say a copywriter you would rather them write your emails for you than you write them for yourself. Because guess what? That's where they shine. Mm -hmm. That's their zone of genius. They account for your weaknesses. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And if you're really hiring those people to support you, even if it's temporary, whether they're on your core team or if it's temporary, it doesn't matter. If that's the type of person you're bringing on, it's, I don't care if you're type A, you know, you don't like to relinquish power or control, you will relinquish mm-hmm. it because you're like, actually, she's amazing right. at this and I need her to to take all of this for me. And that's who you should be looking to hire. So this actually dovetails mm-hmm. perfectly into my next question because right now, a lot of people are working virtually and we're in yeah. a season where COVID-19 is fundamentally changing the way we operate across industries. I'm also hearing about corporations who are rethinking their real estate holdings because things have gone so well with their workforce being virtual. Mm -hmm. Go figure. But I've also heard this sentiment from friends and people online in general that working from home is even more stressful than working from the office. And I think that's partly because they feel like they're being micromanaged. So what are some ways that we as CEOs can create an environment where our teams feel trusted, supported, and comfortable working from home? I love this question. So actually, I know that like we're both like fans of Adam Grant, Mm -hmm. right? And I heard him talking about this the other day. And the language that he used really struck me because he was saying in the online space in particular, we should never micromanage. We are macro managers. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? When you're in the online space, like... Everything is almost amplified and you have to think about it just like old school. Like whenever we started texting so much and there was so much miscommunication, be it, what is the tone? What is this emoji? Like what, what do all these things mean? And for people who aren't used to working in the online space, this is a different way of communicating. You know what I mean? I, God loves, you know, video chat, but you can't feel me energetically. 
you can, you can sense a little bit cause I'm smiling and you can see it in my face, but we're human beings. Like we're not programmed to communicate through technology. And that sounds crazy. Cause I'm literally a virtual work advocate. I have had virtual positions literally my entire career on and off. But at the same time, I'm also the same person that goes and plans team retreats to make sure that these virtual businesses are getting together at least once a year. Mm-hmm. Like it makes a difference. But in terms of not micromanaging and building that culture in, honestly, it's the little things. Like, for example, I think about if you're really trying to take that macro perspective, right? What does that look like? It looks like celebrating the people on your team in team meetings. Simple things. These aren't like, you know, these. it's not rocket science, but it's also things that when we're moving so fast, we stop paying attention to mm. them. And also when we go into this virtual space, people tend to disconnect a little bit more than they would if they were stuck in the same office together. Mm. And I've literally worked with people where I, the other day a VA says to me, I think I actually posted about this on Instagram today. That's funny. Uh, A VA says to me, you know, when I got onboarded, I met the CEO, like in a Zoom, Mm -hmm. right? They had a conversation with CEO, make sure culture was aligned, good fit, good vibes, all these great things, right? Since then, they've never gotten on a video call again. Months, months and months and months. Don't get me wrong. In the online space, a lot of us have OBMs, online business managers. Mm-hmm. So that's the person that's actually handling, you know, the day-to-day team management and interaction. But how do we facilitate trust and actually, you know, I know how these people on my team work. I know how they operate. I know that, you know, this girl over here, no, she's not like the quickest with email responses, but by 3 p.m. every day, she's got her stuff done. Mm. And I've worked with her enough, closely enough to where I know that. If we're not taking the time to even connect with our teams over a simple video chat, how do we foster trust in our entire businesses? Mm-hmm. Just because we're online does not mean face-to-face doesn't matter. If face-to-face didn't matter, we wouldn't be doing this right Mm -hmm. now. Okay. (laughs) Mm. And to be honest, if we were just, because my podcast, I don't do video. And I've thought about doing video so many times because it feels different to look into another human being's eyes and talk to Mm -hmm. them. (laughs) It's just different. We're humans. I don't know how else to say it. We're living, breathing human beings. And I love virtual space and I love virtual work but we've got to take the space and build the time in because it's natural to start micromanaging when you don't fully know somebody. Mm, You don't know their habits. You don't know... You don't know them. You don't trust that they're going to deliver. If you don't know them, how can you trust them? Any relationship in life is built on trust. If you don't talk to your people in a non-business way, if you don't have a little bit of small talk before your meetings... Mm. I get it. Like we build these businesses for freedom. And a lot of times, like I hear in the coaching space, but they're like, you know, free up your time, outsource, outsource, you know, scale, build your team, yada, yada, yada. But then I see, I start talking to the people on these teams and they're just like, I don't really know her. Hmm. I I just get assigned my tasks for the week and I do my tasks. And I'm like, so you guys are not a team. Mm -hmm. 
you guys, you're, you're treated like a set. Uh, I mean, it's, it's almost as bad as people used to complain about corporate. Sometimes it's like cogs in a machine. Like you, you don't know this person mm-hmm. and you're, you're a representative of the brand that they've built right. online. And I think this speaks to my earlier comment about entrepreneurs coming from corporate backgrounds, because we started our own businesses for freedom. Mm-hmm. And for some, they may not want to replicate corporate team structures mm-hmm. and just end up going over to the other extreme by treating their virtual teams like cogs that exist solely to get a job Mm -hmm. done. Yet I think in order to succeed in the long run, what they may not realize is that they need people to trust them and they need people who are bought into their vision. And if they can't build a relationship with you, how are they going to trust you? It's it's funny because it's almost... We humans, we do this all the time, right? <laughs> we eat all the junk food and then we hate the fact that it's taking us months to like work it mm-hmm. off. If you put in the effort up front, just with little human things, instead of, you know, do sending out all of the tasks in Monday, Slack, Asana, whatever mm-hmm. you're using, instead of sending them all out and then just shooting everybody a message like, hey, these are our priorities for the week, yada, yada, yada find a time that works for everybody at least every other week Mm -hmm. and look at each other's faces. I I guarantee you little things like that are going to save you on the back end from feeling like you've got to micromanage and stuff like that. It's just, it's just the little things. No, I agree. But on the other side of the spectrum, I read a stat that said, let me find it. It said 83% of people currently employed are not Mm -hmm. giving their best at work. And it's not because of the paycheck they're receiving. So when I hear that, I start to wonder, Mm -hmm. what is the best way to motivate virtual teams? If it's not money, how do we motivate them to give us the results we need? So yeah, money is not that good of a motivator, to be honest. I I hate to say it, it's not a very good motivator. Let's just put that out there. Um, but one of the actual like greatest indicators for motivation, one of the things that we are in control of as employers is giving people autonomy, mm. which is hilarious because we were just talking about micromanaging. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and again, I understand like I, I will forever be a proponent of hiring specialists as opposed to generalists. Mm-hmm. And the reason is to give someone autonomy, like we touched on, first you have to trust them. Then you have to trust their expertise. Mm-hmm. So the example that I use is podcast management. We both run podcasts. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about it. Podcast management. I don't like the post-production process. Don't like it at all. Mm-hmm. I'm good at it. I've got it down to a science. I don't like it, right? One of the first full-time positions I would like to hire for Team Tie is a podcast manager. Now, there are a lot of VAs that can do podcast post-production. I don't want a, I don't want a VA who can do my podcast post-production. I want a specialist, a podcast manager. Mm-hmm. Why? Because that means literally we wrap this, right? You have the MP4, send it off to the podcast manager. Everything from post-production, graphics, show notes, all of that gets handled. The same person, because they are an expert in everything around podcasts, can do your outreach. They can onboard your guests. Mm-hmm. They, can, they can handle all of it. So you can literally give someone this entire division of your business. And also because they're an expert, you're looking for them for tips. So you're saying, okay, so this is how traditionally I've done this. What have you seen 
that makes you say, Hey, we should try this. We can do this a little bit better. Why don't we start pitching to this type of person? Hey, I noticed a gap in your content and your audience has been asking for X, Y, Z. If you just hire somebody who can edit the podcast, that's great. But if you can hire somebody who is literally an expert on all things podcasts, Mm. You literally can give them the autonomy. They can come to you with ideas. They can pitch things to you and they can actually manage it for you. That's, that's the CEO mindset. That's next level right there. That's not just asking for help. That's like, no, 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 no. I need the expert on this because they're going to own this and they're going to come to me as the leader, as the visionary Mm -hmm. behind it. But I can trust them and give them the autonomy, right? Right. And you also you said like what motivates people? Be it's like having your own business. So like we wake up every day and we're lit, we're motivated because like we're building this thing and it's so cool. Imagine somebody, imagine being the woman who is obsessed with podcasts. She listens to them all day, every day anyways. And now she owns a chart topping podcast. She is the reason that it's doing so good. Mm-hmm. She can say, dude, I took this podcast from point A to point B. I bring on these, like I own all of this. If that's her zone of genius and she doesn't want to do all the other things your business has to do, she's going to be motivated to do her job on the daily. Mm. So it's difficult because there are some tasks that we just don't like. Yeah. Yeah. But also we got to keep in mind, there are CPAs out here. There are financial people. I look at finances and I'm like, I don't want none of it. Like all all of my bank drafts are on auto. I don't like finance. I want to pay attention to any of it, but there's also somebody who nerds out on all of that stuff. The same way I nerd out on business psychology. So this is like one of those fundamental things, but if you're hiring the right people, to do a real job, Mm. not just your busy work admin Mm. cleanup, but a real job that they can sink their teeth into and really care about, you're not going to have a problem with motivation. Mm, I like that. And it sounds like a simple enough solution. Hire the right person, someone who's passionate about the job, and you won't have Mm -hmm. to motivate them. I also like that you said you need to Mm -hmm. give them an actual job and not just a busy work type of job. I would, I would also add, because I get it. Like I play devil's advocate. Let's look at things from both sides, Mm -hmm. right? Sometimes you need the generalist. I won't tell a lie. Mm -hmm. I advocate for specialists. Most of the time, the ROI is better. They like their jobs more. I could talk about it for years, but sometimes you need somebody who can do the admin stuff and all of those things. They're not sexy things. They got to get done. Business is business, right? What do you do? There's something we call job enrichment. And the whole idea behind that is, again, sometimes there's just the not sexy stuff where even if they say they love it, we've all said like, oh, I love doing this. And really, we didn't love doing it. We just wanted to check. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's, let's keep it on. <laughs> and I won't tell a lie. I know a lot of VAs who are like that. And they're just like, I'm doing this for now. I'm not going to do it forever. Mm-hmm. Fine. A lot of times, especially in entrepreneurship, if you're hiring VAs, there's a good chance that you have skills and knowledge that they want, or maybe you're even where they eventually want to be. I don't know this for sure, but what I'm getting at here is if you know the job is not one of those sink your teeth into it, someone's going to nerd out over this job, then it's your responsibility to get to know that person on a deeper level 
and figure out what you can sow into them that's at least going to make them appreciative enough of y'all's connection mm-hmm. to where they are willing to do the not fun, not sexy work because they they are valuing the other things that you're bringing to the table. So mm-hmm. if you're bringing mentorship because you are where they want to be someday, I've, I've personally stuck around for years not because I loved the actual work I was doing, but I loved everything the, the boss was sewing into me while I was doing that work. Like sometimes we just got to do what we got to do. And these VAs need the job mm-hmm. and they don't hate the job. It, it's not like they love it, but they don't hate it's it. It's not their but really job. They, they like you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To be honest, and some people, they love the execution. They love the checklist and keeping everything in order. That's some people's sweet spot those people, they're going to love the job, but some people, it is a means to an end. And I think it would almost be a disservice to try to pretend like every VA in the world just loves being a VA. I know a lot of VAs where it's a means to an Mm -hmm. end, whether they're going to eventually level up to an agency or be an OBM, or they want to be an influencer themselves or whatever Mm -hmm. it is they want to do. It's like, it's at least 60, 40. You know what I'm saying? Like, So if we go in knowing that, then you have to figure out how you can enrich their experience in some way, or you're going to have the problem that it's like a McDonald's. McDonald's literally built their business model knowing no one wants to work there forever. There's very few people that made a career out Mm -hmm. of it. So they know we're going to get people in and out. They've got their orientation down to a science, okay? Mm -hmm. Because they know that people come in and out of there. They do not have tenure there. (laughs) Mm, Retention. I noticed a lot of the tips you shared Mm -hmm. today also help with retention. If a business has a revolving door of employees in the corporate space, sure, they can probably absorb that shock. But for a small business, it can really set us back. So I'm glad you share those tips. But now I want to get into some of the tea Mm -hmm. you promised earlier. I love for our audience to learn from the lessons of other business owners. So Mm -hmm. what would you say are the top three mistakes entrepreneurs hiring teams for the first time make out of the gate? Ooh, excellent question. Um, First thing I would say is they hire before they're ready. Mm -hmm. And... This is a complicated, this is like, this is the T, this is going to be a controversial answer, but it is what it is. You know what I mean? Uh, So when I say they hire before they're ready, I'm taking it back to our earlier conversation on actually getting the foundations organized Mm -hmm. before you hire. The caveat, I will say, if you are hiring one of those people who's like very into systems and stuff like that, for the purpose of getting your foundation in order for you, like that's going to be a part of their job, go for it. But I have seen way too many people hire, drop someone in the deep end because they didn't have tasks outlined, they didn't have an orientation, so on and so forth. And the person either burns out themselves mm. and they're going crazy because they're just like, oh, like everything just keeps popping up. I don't know what time, like simple things. I'm supposed to engage on social media as soon as the things get posted, but they never get posted at the same time of day. And no one ever tells me. So I'm just on my phone checking this person's social media all day. So I don't miss this. Mm -hmm. And it's like, why don't we have this mapped out? (laughs) So that's like a very simple one. Um, I would say the big, big, big one for me, especially in this space, I'm going to keep this very specific to the online space here. I think because 
online business management is a thing. I love online business managers. They are some of the most like organized, like I love it. They do wonders for businesses. But because it is a thing, I have seen the actual CEOs become so hands-off with their own team. Mm. And that is concerning. If, honestly, if you don't believe that your business is going to last, if you don't believe that your business is going to stand the test of time, be disconnected. But it does kind of baffle me as a leadership coach to see people start businesses and then totally hand off all responsibility of being a leader to an online business manager who is also managing five other teams. Because online business managers aren't necessarily working full-time for this business. Mm -hmm. They have other clients. Mm -hmm. So you've got one person who is amazing at what they're... It's amazing the, the, the plates these people can keep spinning, right? I am a leadership coach. I don't ever want to lead more than one team. And I notice, <laughs> but I also know who I am as a leader and I do well with small cohesive teams. I don't do well with big teams. I've talked to online business managers who lead five teams. Wow. Five different teams. Wow. And it just, it brings to question where can the actual, like, where does the visioning happen? Mm -hmm. Where does the connection happen? You know, how, how are they operating as a unit? If the team members have only talked to the CEO a handful mm -hmm. of times, how are they supposed to represent you? How are you supposed to trust them if you don't have a relationship with them because you're using the OBM to be your proxy? Ooh, that's a good question. That's a big and problem. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. This was one of the things I, I feel bad. I'm like, I'm ruffling feathers. Oh my God. But it's one of the things where when I transitioned into this space, it took me months to even like dig deep enough to figure out that's what was happening. Mm. First and foremost, I won't tell a lie there. When I understood the actual structure that a lot of like coaching businesses and stuff have, that's when I really uncovered it. And I started talking to people and I was like, Oh, okay. This is different. <laughs> And then I'm just gonna, yeah, that's that. Um, wow. The third thing that I would say is in-person connection. That one's difficult. I get it. I know people that have team members in Bali, California, couple in Tennessee, like all over mm -hmm. the place. You know that's what I'm saying? The online space, you can get talent It's, it's incredible. It, your talent pool is literally limitless. Mm -hmm in online space. It's amazing. Um, but also if one, if you're not using video to video enough, and if you're never connecting in person, you can literally like, I think of the example, Jenna Kutcher, she's like an online entrepreneur. She can connect with somebody through any medium. I'm telling you, everybody is her best friend. Like she's really good at emoting and connecting with people in the mm -hmm, online space. I love her. I, I adore her. But you will never be as close to your team if you don't meet them in person. Mm -hmm. There's no way I can give you so many tips and techniques. And, you know, when you send emails, do this. And when you're, you know, DMing, use, use emoji, like all these, you know, little nits to try to like foster more of that actual bond with somebody. Nothing will get you there faster than meeting them in person. Point blank period. There's no way around it. Mm. I've been working in the virtual space my entire career. We still bring everybody together at least once a year. 
And that is one of the biggest mistakes. It's obviously harder given the current climate. Uh, Even my team retreats, it's on hold. Like I'm not doing team retreats right now. Um, That's why I keep pushing this idea of if you're a CEO of a company, honestly, you should be on video calls with your entire team once a week. Mm -hmm. I'm being nice when I say you could do it every other week. That's me. That's me trying to be flexible. Uh, It really should be once a week, to be honest. Mm -hmm. And bonus points if you get the entire team on the call, Mm -hmm. not just one-on-ones. And I say that because a lot of times in the online space, like let's let's say it's an OBM, right? Mm -hmm. And they've got their team that they're managing. A lot of the interaction is from team member to OBM, team member to OBM, team member to OBM. I've also talked to people who are like, I've been on this team for three months. I only know two out of the seven people. Mm, So they don't have team meetings. My goodness. How are they doing it? They have team Slack channels. Yeah, that's not the same. They don't have team meetings. Not the same. Assigning a task and seeing that like, oh, who's Shannon? (laughs) (laughs) There's someone named Brian on this team. That's crazy. (laughs) But if we have team meetings, it's automatically eliminated. You know what I mean? Simple things like that. Like I keep coming back to the fundamentals. But I just think in the online space, we can get a little distracted and we're moving so fast and things are really efficient. And that's the beauty of it. It's like, we're just getting work done. Like we are productive. We are efficient. It's great. But sometimes we move too fast Mm. and we need to go back to fundamentals. All right. So now I'm going to take a detour and ask a question that could probably be a whole episode (laughs) by itself. Have you come across any fundamental issues in the relationship or dynamic between co-founders? Per usual, with any sort of relationship, there are always issues. I mean, an example that I could give is, and this was, this was a very specific example, but two co-founders who got into the business had a great idea. You know, one of them had the capital for it. They put their minds together. They make it happen. Lo and behold, idea takes off. One co-founder is basically bearing the entire burden. Other co-founder doesn't actually have a place in the running of the business Mm. because to be honest, they were an ideator and they were an investor. Mm. But when you actually get into the running of the business, they didn't have that skill set. So now all of a sudden this person is bearing the the brunt of the burden. Mm. And that's, that's a really difficult situation. You know, I've actually come across that a couple times with clients really in the beginning when it's all dreams and ideas, like you said, Everyone is engaged, but, mm-hmm. but and we're successful. And now there's work to be done, friend. <laughs> One person is left to be the visionary and the doers. So mm-hmm. how would you address that? I honestly, a, a big part of that is redefining roles. Mm. So like I've done things like role negotiations. And this is where at the end of the day, like you've got like, we've got to be honest here. If you don't have the skill set or the interest to do some of the work that needs to get done, We've got to renegotiate, you know, whose responsibility is what, who can bring what to the table. And like a role negotiation can be a full day thing. Like that can be a full day exercise because you're really getting to the meat of for the future success of the company. Mm-hmm. We're not, we don't need to rehash, right? Cause that's tempting. We don't need to rehash all of the wrong, like we don't need to play that game. There's no score. Honestly, 
if it's business, we've got to look to the future. We've got to figure out how are we positioning ourselves as leaders of this company mm-hmm. to handle the success that we we are having. Right. Like, how do we step up to handle this? So I think one of the biggest things is the role negotiation. Uh, when things go bad, sometimes people get bought out. Mm. That's a reality. Yeah. I'm, this is entrepreneurship. That happens all the time. Like, let's just put that on the table. Uh, but in t- terms of my actual leadership coaching, it's usually a role negotiation. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> now that our listeners have heard all your tips and resources, how can they reach out to you? And what does the process mm-hmm. typically look like once they start working with you? Ooh, so many, so many answers. My spider senses are tingling. So, uh, Everything is under my name. I'm one of those simple people. So if you wanted to just get a bigger picture of everything that we do, uh, it's www.tianatai.com. I pretty much live on Instagram. I'm not afraid to say it. I love the gram. My clients are on the gram. We have a good time. So I'm at Tianatai on Instagram as well. And I think if I were to tell the audience like some mm-hmm. things to be looking forward to uh, that we're really doing, obviously I have Tipod, which is my podcast where I look, this conversation is great. I'm always talking about stuff like this. I nerd out on it. Uh, it's a workshop style podcast. So usually it's very actionable, like advice, you know, step one, step mm-hmm. two, step three, let's get this thing done. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and then I'm really, really excited because you actually caught me at a good time because uh, May 22nd, Dream Hire Bootcamp is actually opening up. And that is the foundation. That's, that's a lot of what we've been talking about today, but setting the foundations about how to define, attract, uh, select, and actually hire your first team member. Even if you've tried it before and you kind of failed at it, or you were one of those people who hired a VA and then you were like, you not my VA. I don't like you. Uh, we, we take all of the fluff out of it and we go through every single step templates, the whole shebang. Uh, to really make that happen. So I'm really excited about that. I'll be talking about it everywhere. So if you tune in to Tiana Tai on Instagram or on my website, you're going to, you're going to find out. That boot camp will be essential for people growing their teams for the first time, because building virtual teams is not something you can do by mimicking what's happening in the corporate space. So I'm looking forward to it. And it's, it's not something you learn by Googling random job descriptions and stuff. Ooh, I've seen, I've seen some stuff. I know. We could talk all night about the things we've seen. We could. Well, I really appreciate your time today, Tiana. I can't wait to see what else comes out of your platform. I'll be following along. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Uh, I am so happy. And this was a great conversation. Thank you. Hi, Offscripters. I'm so glad you made it to the end of this episode. If you enjoy listening to our show, please pay it forward by sharing us with your network. Between episodes, you can find me on Instagram. Our handle is at She's Offscript, or you can catch up on past episodes at She's Offscript.com. See you on the next one.